Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. Yes. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass win. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, these postseason Georgia games should really come with an FDA warning. While Alabama fans may experience increasingly rare sense of pure joy, side effects may include confusion, anger, sweaty palms, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, and premature aging. So which side effects did you experience and are are you all better now? Man, you know, I'm I'm all better. I was I was pretty close on the Alabama prediction. I had Alabama getting 31, but I I had predicted Georgia getting 10. I I really was disappointed in the game plan that we had to stop Georgia. You know, we can dive into this more when we flip to the defensive side of the ball, but I I, I do not like the plan that they came in with. I think that they put Jake Fromm in a position to be successful and get into the flow of the game. And um, there's no reason that this Georgia team should have scored 28 points. And so um, I think Alabama was out coached for, for three quarters. And I, and I think, you know, last year had Jalen stayed in the game, Georgia would have beat our tail in the second half. Uh, had Tua not got hurt in this game because it was not his day, Georgia would have won again. And so, you know, Georgia fans have to are understandably pretty pissed right now. Because both times, you know, I mean, imagine if you're a Georgia fan, right? Tua comes in for Jalen and pulls it out, and now Jalen comes back in for Tua and pulls it out. I mean, Georgia fans have to be thinking, what damn deal with the devil did Saban make? Well, They they have to be beyond themselves at the moment. Yeah, you have to be wondering that there there is absolutely something going on. And in particular, it is – these postseason games with with Georgia, you know, the last couple of times we faced them in the regular season, those really haven't been close games. But if you go back to, you know, Aaron Murray, uh, you know, was it 2014? Uh, it looked like it was 2012. Yeah, 2012. where they left, the, where they left the Georgia Dome and came yes. back in just to just to be 
all frustrated. It looked like they were going to win that game. When they uh, returned the, the, what is it, the interception for a touchdown, it looked like that was game over. Uh, of course, last year there were moments where it looked like they were going to win the game. And this year, this year in this game too, and all three, you know, you would think one out of three, you, you trip and fall down, but all three of them, yeah, you have to wonder if something diabolical is going on. And, you know, it's almost too sappy for Hollywood to even write the script that says quarterback's going to come in from nowhere one year, and then the next year that guy's going to be an all-star, uh, Heisman this, all of the talk, and then he's going to go out, and the guy who, you know, couldn't find the middle of the field is going to come out and and perform what might be one of his best performances uh, as an Alabama quarterback to to win the game and to score uh, two drives on two touch uh, two touchdowns on two drives when otherwise the Alabama offense struggled uh, the bulk of the day and so you can take that wherever you want to go but yeah I agree with you if you're a Georgia fan you're scratching your head saying something something's not right uh, we gotta we gotta get some extra time uh, figuring this stuff out. No, man. Well, let's, I, I agree. Let's, let's start with the offense um, and, and just kind of talk through this. You know, I was listening to some of the uh, former SEC quarterbacks after the game who obviously get to be like Lee Corso and get to be down on the field and, and, you know, sitting there during the game, you know, during their breaks before they jump in and talk again. And, you know, they were, they were talking about just two, his eyes were everywhere um, in the pocket and that he just didn't look comfortable with his reads uh, you know, his progressions and that that his head was just on a swivel. He was just all over the place. And and I noticed some of that in the game, but not to the level these former quarterbacks are going to notice. And, you know, quarterbacks can just have a bad day, right? It can just not be your day. But, you know, Alabama, when they play Georgia, they're playing themselves. I mean, they're playing Alabama. There's a reason Jake Fromm said after the game that, you know, he was comfortable with what he was facing because he faces it in practice every day. Well, I've told you Kirby Smart's the best assistant coach I think Saban's ever had. You know, he's a little Saban. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a great defensive-minded coach. And so I think they had a good game plan for Tua. And, um, you know, their job was to stop the RPO. Uh, I think that was their primary focus. And I think for the most part, they accomplished that for, for Tua. They would they would bring down their linebackers, and then they would right at the snap they would drop them back uh, into the slot to cover the slot receiver for the RPOs, and so it wasn't there for Tua. And then they would blitz up the middle uh, to get him uncomfortable, so that he wouldn't really be able to go anywhere as far as the, the pocket would break down immediately because they would blitz right between the guards and the center. And I just think they gave him a look here that he hadn't seen. And I don't think he was prepared for, you know, what to do next. And I think they just had his number, and and I think it just wasn't his day. No, I think I, I think everything you said was right. Quarterbacks are going to have a bad day. Tua is going to be a better quarterback for having played in this game. I think, uh, just like you said, Kirby Smart is a phenomenal defensive uh, mind, and he intentionally gave Tua looks and then backed out of that. And so really toyed with his reads, uh, delayed blitzes, like you said, uh, falling back into coverage. And so really messed with his his reads, 
slowed him down, took him just off, uh, sort of just off his rhythm. Uh, their safeties, I thought, you know, I thought it was telling that both interceptions he threw, and he threw two of them, which itself is something, uh, were safeties coming back over. And so where, where perhaps he thought he had looked off the safety, uh, the safety was not, was not given into that. And, and, and there's a lot of discipline that they have to play with, right? Because intuitively, instinctively, as the safety, you go with the eyes of the quarterback. And I think they've really drilled in, stick, stick with the coverage, stick with the coverage, stay within reach of that, that back, because if he's looking you off, it's, it's or if he's looking you in a direction, he's really looking you off and wait for wait for the throw. And I think uh, I think they did a really good job game planning for that. Uh, and it showed and it showed because they really did keep two off balance. No, absolutely. And, you know, also, too, you know, I, I guess when I say that Tua does get hurt on the first series of the game. And so he was already, you know, yes, he lost his knee brace, right? Uh, and yes, he's looked better in the last couple of weeks. Well, then, you know, um, DeAndre Walker, uh, you know, lands, you know, pulls him down. He held the ball too long. He should have thrown the ball yeah. away, um, but he didn't. But then when DeAndre Walker tackles him, he doesn't tackle him the way you should tackle it's some of these tackles that they do nowadays. These lazy tackles. It, it looked like he was a. It looked like he was pulling a bull down in a in a bull ring. I mean, he just literally pulled him down, and he put all of his weight on his ankle when he when he rolled him down. And so you could see you could see Tua get up gingerly after the play. Yep. Um. And so at this point, we're already thinking he's had issues with his right knee. Now you've landed on his left ankle. Um, and so that's going to affect the quarterback's play, right? And so I almost wish we could go back and tinker with him not, you know, let's just, I wish he could have thrown the ball away there and had healthy two ankles. And then how would he have looked, you know, going forward? Because if, right. if you look at the stats real quick, Dave, what I find interesting about this is he was 10 of 25, Okay. That's bad. That's a bad day for him. But we've seen a lot of quarterbacks over the years <laughs> who, who um, has had a 50% completion percentage on more than one game performance. So what I do find interesting is he completed 10 passes for 164 yards. So he still threw for 164 yards on a bad day. Um, you know, the pick was a great play uh, by J.R. Reed, uh, mm -hmm. the, the junior college transfer. Uh, at safety. I think he had a phenomenal day. But, you know, there was another series right after he got hurt where he had Irv Smith wide open over yes. the middle of the field. And this was the first of, what, four drops early in the game where Irv just took his eye off the ball and did something we hadn't seen him do all year. Well, if he completes that ball in Georgia territory – you know, what happens then? So, you know, that also could have changed the momentum of the game early. So while I'll say it wasn't to his day, there was other factors here that kind of went, you know, that, that were at play as well. 
No, I agree. I think that pass to to Irv. How many times have we seen? And look, two his numbers have always have always been good, and his completion percentage has always been good. But but maybe he misses a pass and then overthrows someone else. He always seems to have like a get right pass, and that and Irv just right there, wide open in the in in the middle of the field. That just felt like a get right pass that he's gonna. All right, now I'm in a rhythm and complete that pass. And we saw you know Jerry Judy you know, look down and, and run as, as, you know, the ball was arriving and, you know, Danielson didn't talk about it Saturday, but he's talked about it in the past where Jerry Judy always looks like he's running through the catch, uh, accelerating through the catch. And, you know, it's almost like that's what Judy was trying to do. I'm going to accelerate through the catch by taking my eyes off the ball at the last second and he dropped it. And it's, it's just like anything else. It's just like, you know, holding across the line. If you get one of those, we can live with that, but not everyone gets to have one because that then that's, you know, five plays and five, you know, potentially five possessions that are derailed because of a stupid penalty. And so you start to have two and three drops like that. That's a big deal. Those start to impact drives. Those start to impact, uh, you know, the reach that the offense can have. And I, you know, I agree things were cons- cons- almost conspiring against Tua. So he's going to be a little bit off. Georgia's got, you know, quite a game plan on. He's already, you know, he knows he's got a question about his knee, and now he's got a, a, a fresh ankle. So now both legs uh, got a little gimp at him. And by gosh, the surest hands on the team are dropping balls. You know, at some point, he's got to be thinking, what the heck's going on out here? No, that's true. And and real quick, I want to correct myself. It was Richard LeCount uh, that got that first pick, but but J.R. Reed did have a phenomenal day um, for Georgia. He was all over the field and and almost had two forced fumbles uh, during the day uh, for Georgia, unfortunately. Um, but looking back at this, you know, prior to the play where DeAndre Walker sacks him and lands on his ankle, um, you know, everything happens for a reason, but, you know, going back to him being and having an off day, man, and, 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 you know, something else we didn't talk about, guess what? He's human, right? He's a young kid. Sure. He might also have just gotten nerves in the moment. He might also have just, you know, let some of the stuff in that said, you're going to win the Heisman. You're great. You're wonderful. You're the best player in college football. And, and, he's, before. and he's been hearing this crap for for weeks, because prior to that, in a, prior to that sack, he had Henry Ruggs open in the end zone for a touchdown. And looking back at it, the second time, I didn't catch it the first time, but the second time, you know, Gary Danielson sitting there talking about, you know, he let the cornerback get back into the play. He let Eric Stokes get back into the yep. play because he threw it behind Henry Ruggs. Well, dude. We're spoiled. How many times does Tua do that? Hardly ever. That was a that was a pass from the six yard line. That ninety nine times out of a hundred is a touchdown, and yep. he and he throws the ball where it needs to be ahead of Rugs, away from the defender, so Rugs doesn't even get his hands popped by the guy's helmet, right? And so that was the play before he hurt his ankle. So you know what if? He would have done the normal Tua thing, threw a touchdown there. He would have never got sacked. He had never hurt his ankle. They were up 7 nothing. They got all the momentum, right? Yep. That's what's fun yep. about football. So, 
you know, maybe that was part of it that just showed he's human and, and he's got butterflies and he's worked up and, and, and he's heard that if he plays well, he wins the Heisman. If he doesn't play well, he could lose the Heisman. And so that could have been part of the crap too. No, I think that's fair. I think, uh, you know, I think we also had some success while Tua uh, was in. There was, a you know, an eight-play drive, 73 yards, took just over three minutes uh, where we scored a, a touchdown, and another four-play drive, 75 yards, uh, just shy of two minutes. Now, those were, I think, run heavy, uh, and Josh Jacobs really demonstrated his capability, you know, had a 59-yarder on one of those. And so there was still some quick strike uh, Alabama offense being effective, getting in, getting in the game, but uh, on a whole, uh, you know, especially the first three quarters, uh, the offense just wasn't fully clicking, but still had some moments there. No, it did. But if you look back to the touchdown that could have gone to Rugs, right? The very next series, Irv Smith drops the ball deep in their territory, right? The very next series, we have that eight-play, seventy-five-yard drive for a touchdown. So I'm not saying what it should have could have, but all you know, if Alabama, Alabama could have had 21 points there, right? Which could have changed the whole game and to a psyche if he was, you know, wound up, whatever kind of deal. So sure, sure. it just everything kind of just went against Alabama. And so what I find interesting about this is Alabama played a, you know, things just didn't go their way. You've got you know, all these drop balls from the receivers and, and two is off, et cetera. But yet, you know, Georgia couldn't put them away. You see what I'm saying? I mean, one of the best teams in the country couldn't put them away with all those things conspiring against them. Georgia, Georgia loses to LSU, you know, by a nice margin when they have an off day and Alabama has an off day and they still are able to come back and, and beat Georgia. So that's got to piss off the rest of the country. Yeah, I kind of like that, right? <laughs> um, let me let me touch on something real quick. So so um did you get the sense that that Tua was was taking longer in the pocket to find where he wanted to go with the ball? Yeah, I mean, I think he had good coverage. Uh or I'm sorry, he had good uh good pass protection uh you know, most of the time. And he's sat in the pocket and he's been comfortable there. Now Georgia was collapsing the the pocket. Uh, but yeah, I think they had good coverage and it was forcing him to, uh, to sort of, you know, progress through his reads and he was not always able to, to find, you know, the open, the open receiver or an open receiver. You know, normally when we see him, you know, pa uh, pump the ball in the pocket, he finds someone and against Georgia, he did not. Well, and you know, just to be fair, because, you know, obviously when, when Jalen was was the featured quarterback, you know, we were, you know, we were being fair in our analysis with with him. You know, Gary Danielson kind of, you know, he said a couple times in kind of a kidding way that, you know, Tua's got to learn that he can't throw a touchdown every pass. Yes, yes. And so, you know, he's got to learn when to throw this ball away. I mean, and, you know, he – he he has a great presence in the pocket and, and he's able to move around in the pocket, et cetera. But I, I think this was a really good learning experience for him because I don't think that he Georgia's a talented football team. They are they are they are the mirror image of Alabama in a lot of ways. In practice last year, when he was tearing up the first string, he was wearing a black jersey, right? And he couldn't be sacked. 
And here's a team that's been thinking about how they lost to you for, you know, a year, right? And 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 this is all they've been talking about. And some of these seniors for Georgia came back for this game. Yep. That's the only reason they came back. And so I think in that moment, he's got to understand and and the and the and the quarterback coach who, you know, I can't, I'm not saying he didn't say these things, but man, you've got a mic on this guy. And I, I think you've got to be. I wish I could hear what they were saying to him between plays and stuff because, you know, I hope that they were just reminding him based on, okay, based on the fact that he never threw the ball away ever and that he held the ball and held the ball and held the ball and held the ball. There's no way, there's no way that they were sitting there talking him through this, right? After he would do it because you've got to understand the moment that I'm playing a really, really good athletic football team. And if it's just not there on first down, I'm just going to throw it away and just play again because I can get yards in chunks because of what I can do. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, do you think they were telling him that? Because it didn't seem to me like they were. Well, I, you know, who knows? I, I think that they were probably coaching him through. You know, I think there was a lot of emphasis on be patient. It's going to come. Be patient. It's going to come. And and maybe and 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 that can be true. Maybe the counter is we're going to run some some quick throws, some quick breaking throws, and and they might be shorter. And so patience can mean different things. I I can tell a quarterback be patient, be patient, be patient, and they may hear I just need to stand in the pocket, whereas what you may intend as take the short throw, take the short throw, take the short throw. Don't always wait for the long ball, but take the short ball and then the long one will open up. And so you can say, be patient and it can intend one thing and be heard as another. No, that's fair. And, 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 and obviously, you know, throwing that interception at the goal line to start the game, you know, after you had the momentum of the big punt return, the three and out and the big punt return, you know, that obviously had to mess with Alabama psyche some, yes. right? You know, yes. right right out of the right out of the gate kind of deal. Um well that was a that was a sort of here we go kind of moment, right? As in the you know, the team felt it certainly as a fan, I did. I was like, Oh, look at this, here we go. Yes. And uh and to have that sort of, you know, you know, derailed in, in a fashion that I mean he's thrown two all season and and you know, neither were like on the cusp of yeah. What yeah. was going to be a touchdown, right? And so, yeah, that was sort of the record scratch moment. No, absolutely. Let me ask you a quick question. Well, I, I guess let's go ahead and um, what what jumped out at you on offense before I touch on something else? Well, I'm not sure what you're going to touch on, and I I I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go the the Jalen route. I, look, I think that the story, it was storybook, the fact that the the way that he came in and uh, it, it was a role reversal. Um, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast. Jalen's not Tua. There's, it's, it's silly to even think that. But comparing Jalen to Jalen, he is materially better than he has been either of the prior, uh, prior uh, two years. His development as a passer – uh, his development, measuring him against himself, his development as a passer is material. He was seven of nine. He converted all five of Alabama's third downs. He came in on a third down, cold from the sideline, and completed 
uh, a 13-yard pass for a first down. On that drive, he had a third and five. Uh, he had a third and goal, or, which was from the 10 that he converted for a touchdown. On his second drive, he had a third and eight. Uh, and then he completed, uh, you know, obviously the first and 10 uh, big pass to Jalen Waddell. He scrambled, but he ran to throw, which is something very different. He did scramble to run a couple of times. I think they were designed, but I don't I don't think he ran because he was flustered in the pocket. When he was flushed out, he was still looking to pass, and that is a version of Jalen we've not seen. It was that the fact that he was not doing that is why he was pulled out of the game last year. So I was impressed with uh, Jalen Hurts' play. Uh, I think the fact that he stayed, we saw what the kid at Clemson did. Uh, we saw or heard a lot of people talk about uh, what Jalen could or would or should do. And the fact that he stayed and had this opportunity is something that um, is is pretty darn impressive. And given the opportunity, he absolutely made the most of it. Okay. Well, I definitely wanted to pitch it back to you so that you could uh... – so that you could discuss that part of the game because, you know, I, I will start by telling you that I agree that for Jalen, he has made some strides. And if you're a Georgia fan, you're like your backup quarterback. It was 26 and two as a starter and had been the sec player of the year. Right. Uh, like, like, like that goes back to the deal with the, the devil. It's like only at Alabama can their backup quarterback be a guy who has been in the moment. And so when he came into the game, it was second and 10, almost third and 10, but second and 10. And I thought it was interesting when he came in, they let Najee Harris run the ball and he lost two yards. And I thought that was an interesting play call for the first play he came in the game. Because then it put him in a third and 12, right? Which is not his strength, right? No. I mean, I mean, that's no, that's, that's no quarterback strength, but that's also not his strength. Sure. And so I was actually surprised on second and 10 to get him into the flow of the game. They didn't let him do a design run for three or four yards or something and set up a third and short. And so, so they, they put him in a third and I mean, they ran wide with Najee Harris and I guess it could have worked, but it didn't. So, so he, so he has a third and 12. And so, you know, I went back and replayed that a couple times. And when you, I was shocked to see that Georgia only sent three guys. Um, they, they showed blitz. They dropped out of the blitz. They played a zone with eight guys. And Irv Smith, to his credit, was able to find a crease. And Jalen sat back there and he won, and, and, and he sat back there and he waited and waited for Irv Smith to get open. And he put the ball where it needed to be put. And it was a it was not an easy pass. He had to get the ball to to Irv with a little zip on it because the the two guys were, you know, collapsing on Irv Smith. But I'm sorry, you come in down by seven. Georgia's got all the momentum. You're at your 31 yard line on second and ten. And so to Jalen's credit. You and I used to talk about how this guy looked like he was cool as a cucumber. Mm-hmm. And we used to talk about how this guy just didn't look like anything phased him. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you that 99% of the, of the, I won't even say that. 
I bet you he might be the only quarterback in college who could have come into this situation and handled the moment as calmly as he appeared to handle it. Just because that's Jalen, right? And so so I heard some commentators say the worst thing that happened to Georgia was Jalen Hurts coming into the game. Because, dude, I told you earlier, I, I don't think Georgia had any thought that he was coming into the game. I think George, I think Kirby Smart thought that hell would freeze over before Jalen Hurts would come into this football game. And so when I think when he came into the game, I don't think Georgia had a plan. I think they were totally caught off guard. And they sat back at first and let him complete a couple of passes. He still had to make the completions. And um and and I and I think that Jalen, to his credit, you know, seized his opportunity. And, you know, kudos to him, man. I, I think he um I'm very happy for him. It, it was I'm glad he was able to come back into the same venue where he got pulled out of the game against the same opponent and be able to say that I got the job done. So I, I'm I'm thrilled for him that he can say that. Well, Tommy, I'm all I'm all verklempt. I'm I'm clutching my pearls and 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 I, I need air. Uh, you you've said nice things, multiple nice things about Jalen. Should we move on and and talk about another phase of the offense? <laughs> Well, as we park here, you're going to ruin it. No, no, no. Here's what I want to say. No, here's what I want to say is, you know, is, has Jalen made improvements? Yes. Did Jalen, um, you know, here's the other thing is then after they laid back a couple of times, then they started bringing pressure. And then when they did, you know, Jalen had one run where it was kind of like two of last year on third and nine. Okay. He, he had a guy, uh, he had a guy, Alex Leatherwood got beat two or three times late in this game. Yep. And, and this guy gets by Alex Leatherwood. He dives at Jalen's uh, feet right there in the middle of the pocket. And Jalen has to make a couple guys miss. And, and, and then, you know, he's only getting back to the line of scrimmage. Well, here's what else I'm going to tell you that's going to make you fall out. J.R. Reed, who had a phenomenal football game, who almost stripped – uh, Irv Smith later, or excuse me, on that third down pass, almost stripped uh, Jalen right there. And Jalen had the presence of mind, which he would not have done before, to feel the ball getting tugged and stop what he was doing, grab it with both hands, tuck, and go to the ground. Yep. And dude, had he not done that, the game is over. And so I saw him, I saw him keep that turnover from happening. And I was like, wow, that is something Jalen would not have done before. I think, and, uh, no, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think that, uh, and, and we talked about this in, our, in, in an earlier podcast, he had, uh, this season, he had, uh, a, an ankle sprain after the Tennessee game and had, uh, a, a little procedure that, that apparently they're doing to, to, to relieve that. And when he came back, and I don't remember the exact game, maybe it was Mississippi State, I can't remember, but he threw, um, maybe an LSU, no, it wasn't LSU, at any rate, he was scrambling, and he knew that he wasn't going to run for the touchdown or the first down, and so because he knew that he was limited running, he it, it was almost the mother of necessity, 
he was scanning the the back of the end zone and he hit uh, Smitty for a touchdown. And I thought that that was as much a function of his progression as a quarterback, as a passer of the ball, as it was to his injury where he just, you know, he couldn't just tuck it and run. Um, and so I wonder if there wasn't a little bit of that in the, the play you're referencing where he knew that he was a little bit healthier. He knew what he could do, but he knew that there was a cap to it. And, and, and that caused him to, let's just, this play's done. Let's not try to do more than we can here because I'm not even a hundred percent. Let's just live to fight another down. And there's been times where maybe he, he would have tried to Superman it and, and you can't lose the ball in that situation. So I wonder if there's not a lot of, you know, one step back in order to go two steps forward. Uh, I think there's been a little bit of that. And I think that's kind of helped him a little bit too. Oh, sure. Well, you know, let's, let's talk about, let's talk about his, you know, game winning touchdown run. You know, this goes back to Georgia who I just, you know, take nothing away from Jalen, but I just don't think Georgia schemed very well here. You know, when he came in, it was first and 10 on the 15 yard line. It doesn't take a brain, you know, it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to have watched Jalen in his 28 starts as a quarterback and see he likes to run the ball near the end zone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I oh, mean, yeah. hell, what did he what did he do in the Clemson game? And so on that first and 10 play at the 15, Alabama goes four wide and they got Damian Harris and you know next to him in the shotgun to the left. And they sit there and flare Damian out at the snap in the flats to the left which makes that great safety J.R. Reed uh, flare. He just cheats to, to that side for a second. And they had Damian go to the left side on purpose because Jalen likes to run right. Yep. And it was a design freaking uh, uh, quarterback run. Yep. And the two middle, the two linebackers do a deep drop. You're at the 15. And so, hey, dude, we're on the good side of it. I get it, right? But our job is to analyze this game and – and I'm looking at this thinking, could y'all have fed it to him on a spoon any better? <laughs> He's at the 15-yard line, and y'all just left the entire middle of the field completely open. So I do think, no, I agree, right? And I do think that that was clearly a design, a design run. They had the receivers out, uh, and and like you said, they flared Damien. So they're sending all five of the, you know, the the skill guys out, and so that's going to distribute the defense. And, uh, but I'll say this though, I think his, it, if you're, and I think Kirby smart is guilty of this. And, and we've said this about saving too, and we'll talk about it, you know, as we continue even tonight, um, Kirby smart will outthink himself. He'll outsmart himself. And so I wonder if there wasn't a little bit of Jalen's not going to run because he's still injured. And we've not seen him run the way that we know he can run because he's still injured. And so he did run for a first down, but he was quick to get out of bounds. He sort of gave himself up a couple times. And so I wonder, and this is sort of a combo package, but I wonder if there wasn't a little bit of, hey, he's improved as a passer and he ain't healthy running. So we're going to play him that way. And if he takes off running, he is going to be limited in such a way that we can recover and get him. And it turned out he had at least one in him. 
I can see that, but you and I used to talk about when Jalen was a starting quarterback that he would have sometimes more carries than the backup running back, right? And we would talk about the fact that we really wish he would have eight to ten carries a game. Well, guess what? He came in with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter with an ankle that just had surgery less than a month ago, and he still had five carries. <laughs> he had five carries in ten minutes of football. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Kirby outthought he, he outthought himself on that one. That's, that's, um, you know, that's kind of my point, though, right? Yeah, but right. But I think that. Uh, but I think there's a little bit that says. And and look, I think and and Saban doesn't do things just you know to do things. There was a game where after the surgery, when Saban said that, and and maybe this was LSU when Saban said Jalen would be available as an emergency quarterback, and he clearly should not have even dressed. You know, they had him on the field in the pregame warmups and. You know, he looked like somebody's grandfather out there trying trying to even just jog across the field. And so I think Saban put that out, uh, out there on purpose, right? I mean, how often does he try to hide? He wanted everybody, he wanted everybody to see that, yeah. And when he put in, and it's almost like that, that you know, sneak footage of Julio Jones in that, screen, in that spring practice. I'm sorry, that doesn't get out there if Saban doesn't want it to get out there. And so Jalen doesn't go run up and down the middle of the, the football field in pregame warmups if that's not intended to be seen. See, uh, dude, this is why people listen to our podcast. This kind of crap right here. So you're telling me that he had him run out there to get that on tape just in case he needed it in his back pocket. I'm just saying, if you have that mental image of of him, tippy toeing down the field, tiptoeing. Yes. I know. Hey, look, I know that really I still bad. had so that. That's good. That's good shit, man. I mean, that's why people listen to this show. I'm sitting like, in my Barker lounger. Just... I'm sitting in my lounger, and I still have that vision in my head. And so when he comes in, my thought is, I don't know how. I don't know how nimble he's going to be running the ball. I've seen him. Obviously, then, and I've seen him at other instances be reserved in his running. I don't know what he's got. And so I know I had that question. It's reasonable that the coach that's preparing to defend against him had that question as well. No, that's fair. Um, well, are, were you surprised that Georgia did play so much zone when he came into the game, which allowed like Waddle to find the sideline twice? you know, by himself, like, like Georgia is out. Kirby's building a program like Alabama. So why do you think they played so much zone on those last two drives instead of just man to man and like, for like, okay. So if Kirby thought he couldn't run, right. And his tendency more times than not is to run. And he thinks his ankle is still bothering him, but he had to come in the game because Tua is not able to go, right? Mm -hmm. Then why don't you play? You, you've you got your stud, DeAndre Baker, uh, senior veteran cornerback on one side that's predicted to be the top cornerback in the draft in, you know, next year. You know, why, why don't you put your corners on an island and blitz Jalen and make him test that ankle and make him make a quick decision and a quick progression and a quick read instead of sitting in a zone and 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 letting these really talented receivers find a find a crease why do you do that 
Yeah, I, th I mean, that's a great question. And and I don't have an, I, you know, I don't have a definitive answer for that. Uh, you know, you could I mean, say. I'm just, saying Waddle, I'm just saying Waddle got open on the sideline twice against a zone. Yeah. Right. But you could, but you could, you know, the counter is, and, and we've talked about, you know, the depth at the receiver position and throwing the running backs and, and the tight end, you know, how do you cover them all? And so if you go sort of, you know, pairing off on one-on-ones, then you may, you may at the line of scrimmage demonstrate the matchup that can be exploited. Whereas if you play zone, it's easier to mask that. So, I mean, you could say six one half a dozen of another on that one. And, and uh, I, you could probably make a, and, and I'd like to hear, you know, I mean, we're two guys talking ball. I'd like to hear a coach sort of talk about that. But uh, I, I think that uh, I think it has to do with, the variety of weapons. And so rather than reveal the one-on-one -on -one matchup that you want to exploit immediately, you force the quarterback to have to figure out where it's going to exist. That's fair. Um, well, let me ask you this, you know, because the fourth quarter is the most interesting part from, from an Alabama fans perspective. You know, we've talked about Josh Jacobs and, and, and his, you know, um, how he has evolved, uh, you know, this year. And we've talked about the other, you know, stable of, you know, running backs and Damian Harris coming back, et cetera. Dude, I thought it was a very telling moment when, you know, right after, right after Jalen comes back in the game, you know, Damian Harris, you know, comes in, has a nice five-yard carry, um, then later on, first and 10 at the 18, he has a nice – nine yard carry yep um and so now it's second and one he's had two carries where he's done really well very physical nice run now it's second and one you let Jalen do an rpo and uh he calls his own number and he gets no gain uh so now it's third and one at the nine next thing i know you see josh jacobs come in the game and he's in the backfield with Jalen. And Damien is in the backfield as well. And at the, you know, pre-read or pre-snap, he goes in the slot, right, to the right. And now Josh Jacobs is back there with Jalen. And right before the snap, Jalen shuffles over to the left uh, so that the um, – and the ball gets snapped to Josh Jacobs in a wildcat formation, wildcat. right? And he runs for the first down. Now, the only reason I'm going through that in that detail for the listeners is, is – it's third and one at the Georgia nine, right? And you're down by a touchdown. This is like the season's on the line. And Damian Harris has just ran for nine yards on first and 10 to get you to get you a second and one. No offense to Josh Jacobs, but they didn't call Damian Harris's number there. No offense, man, but he's the freaking senior. He's the guy that came back for his senior year to get you know, to be the first guy to ever have a thousand yards in three consecutive seasons, dude. I'm all about team player, but if I'm Damian Harris, I'm pissed off. Well, in a I big I, way, big way. I think, well, I think there's two things. I think I think Josh Jacobs, as when we've done sort of the Wildcat this year, it's always been Josh Jacobs. Uh, and Josh Jacobs, I mean, he was MVP of the game for a reason. He was no, on I'm five. sorry, it didn't have to be Wildcat. I'm saying, why don't they just hand the ball to Damon Harris and let him get you a yard? That's what I'm saying. So, 
I think I'm going to double down on 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 maybe a concept that I put out there just a minute ago. You could reason if you're going to run out of the quarterback position, why don't you do that with Jalen Hurts? And so I think I think they're sort of underscoring, hey, we're not running the quarterback. We're not running the quarterback. And just sort of just cementing. And if and if you had, you know, if you're Kirby Smart and you had it in your head, like, oh, yeah, they don't really want to run Hurts because he's not right. Oh, look, look at what they just did. I told you they don't want to run him. And knowing, yeah, we got something left for you here in just a minute. I'm with you, man. But on second and one, you know, he had called his own number and went down for no gain, you know, yeah. you know, trying to go went around the corner. No so I, I just, if I'm Damian, man, I, I'm ticked off, man. I just, I'm like, dude, I just, I just got you nine yards on first and 10. I'm at the eight, I'm at the nine yard line now, second and one. I just wouldn't have done anything cutesy. I would have given the ball to Damian Harris on second and one and said, if you don't get it on second and one, you're going to get it on third and one. You're, you're my senior veteran running back. I'm giving you the ball. I just, I thought that was very telling. I was like, man. I, I mm, no, take nothing away from Josh Jacobs, but I was just like, I cannot believe they just did that. Um, what? All right, give me something oh. else on offense. All right, I want to tell you about Jerry Judy's touchdown real quick that Jalen threw, and I oh. want your thoughts on this because when you go back at home and they show the replay and they zoom out and they show Jerry Judy coming in motion and then they show what he did on the route, we got great wide receivers. Got a bunch of them. Nobody is Jerry Judy. Nobody, the, the rest of the guys, they didn't quit on the route, but they sure didn't do what Jerry Judy did. No, You saw the same thing I did. You saw Gary Nick Danielson with his teleprompter and his little fancy pen, and you saw all the circles that he drew. Oh, my gosh. Compared to what everybody else did on that route, man, let's just call it like it is. If Jerry Judy is not in the game on that play, they do not throw a touchdown pass on third and goal because nobody else kept going on the route like Jerry Judy did. Tommy, he 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 ran an S route. That's just how they drew it up, right? Dude, I just wanted your thoughts on this because it was third and goal at the 10-yard line and take nothing away from some great wide receivers. I'm just saying his ability to improvise and just make something out of freaking nothing just has to be called out here. I mean, he made a phenomenal catch on a great pass by Jalen, who who knew. I mean, Jalen, to his credit, said, I'm not going to run here. I'm going to try to throw a touchdown pass because I'm at the 10-yard line against an athletic defense, and I might not be able to get to the goal line. To his credit, all that is true, and he had to throw the ball there. And, I'm and just saying, an accurate Judy, throw on the run, an accurate throw an on accurate the run. Throw. But what do you think about the Jerry Judy comment? Because oh, I just think that out. what he did on that route was just head and shoulders above everybody else. I agree. I think that's that's clinic tape right there of sticking with the play and running with your quarterback. And so you know he he had his route, and and then he immediately turned and ran with the quarterback. And that's what you do. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what they coach you. And so, um, yeah, that was textbook. That's a clinic reel right there. All right, what else you got on offense here? Because there's, there's a lot of things we could do. We could do a four-hour podcast, obviously, because we enjoy it so much. What what else you got on on the offense before we do uh, mini game balls? I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, we've been we've been talking a lot of uh, a lot of different things. 
I'm going to go sort of wonky. Uh, my wife got mad at me, not mad, but she said, I'm going to have to go to another room if this is how I'm going to break down the game. But uh, we ran a uh, uh, on, on a, a pair of the touchdowns, a power formation at the goal line. We've done this last year and in prior years, the beef package, if you will. I think I think oh, you're going to talk me some Quentin Williams, aren't you? I am. I think, Tommy and Joe, check me on this. I think this is the first time we've seen this all season long. And so it I is. went back and rewound and explained it. You know, honey, look at this. We haven't run this all season long. Look at what we've got in here. And so oh, yeah, she didn't care, man. the listeners care, but she didn't care. Yes. No, you're right. But we had, we had, and depending upon how you break it up, we either had three tight ends and a fullback or two tight ends and two fullbacks, depending upon, you know, we had, we had two tight ends. So, so a, a tight end at each, um, at, at each end. Then we had, we were in a power eye and we had Quinnen sort of in an H back position. So I don't know if you call him a tight end or fullback. So we either had, you know, two tight, two, two, two tight ends and two fullbacks or three tight ends and one fullback. I don't care how you count it, but we had a beef package in there and Quinnen was in there and we've seen this right. Deron Payne and, and has, has played, you know, fullback. We've seen, um, uh, Terrence Cody, right? And so we've seen big defensive linemen uh, play blocking backs before, but we did it twice against Georgia. And it's the first time we've done it all season. I got a real kick out of that. Oh, absolutely, man. And I call him a beast in motion. Yes. That was, and what was so, what was so, now, when uh, one of the times though, he just, he just flared out in the flats to the left. Like he was going to go on a pass route, the flats. Like well, one time he didn't even block anybody. Like they, they specifically just wanted him to run out the flats to the left. Well, I think that, I think, you know, look at what we did. Didn't we, didn't we actually throw the ball to Deron Payne last year? And so, yes. you know, people have that sort of fresh in, fresh in their mind. When you bring out sort of the glory guy, the glory uh, defensive lineman, um, you instinctively think that, oh, they have something for him. They wouldn't just bring him over for no reason. He is athletic. He's getting all this rave, all of this pub. They've got a plan. They've got, and that's not to say that we don't, uh, but you don't you don't show that from, from the start. And so the fact that he's out there got people's attention, and then he's going to run off in the other direction. He's, he's going to bring somebody with him because – because you you have to think that he's not out there just to be window dressing. He's out there to do something. And right. So you play it that way, and then and then we're sort of diving the other way. No, that's fair. All right. Well, give me give me your mini game ball, man. Well, I've got two, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one. My mini game ball. My mini game ball goes to Ross uh, Pierce Baker for the tackle he made on the interception. And so he went sort of defender, but uh, they picked off a ball and he was weaving in and out. And, you know, when you when a defender intercepts a ball, there's a lot of offensive players they've got to get around. I mean, there's 11, but you get some momentum and you get some juke going. You know, those offensive linemen, there's five of those guys you can almost write off pretty quick. Uh, and once you sort of get moving down the field, it's it's tough for them to to come back and get you. And so for Pierce Baker to, to stick after that 20, what is it? 29, 28 yard return. 
but uh, but he made the tackle there. That was a big play. We talk about it a lot. We talk about history, or we talk about plays that are impactful plays that get lost to history. They get lost to the passage of time. Ross Pierce Baker's uh, tackle there is one of those plays we'll all forget about. But hell, if he had if he had whiffed, if he had loafed, and they had returned that back, you know, inside the twenty, uh, inside the ten, God forbid, a touchdown. Um, we've got a different we've got a different attitude when we record this podcast today. No, absolutely. Well, um, do you have do you have another one? No, I, I had two sort of circled, and that's that's the one I'm going with. All right, so I'm going to do this just to floor you a little more because I can't count this as a mini game ball because he's currently not a starter. So I'm giving my mini game ball to Jalen Hurts. Wow. I'm going to need a minute. I think he's just – dude, he's deserving, man. I, I got to tell you, not to make this about Jalen because, of course, you know, there was all the talk and stuff. And so – you know, every every little discussion under the sun about this. But I got to hear this guy on the SEC network after the game, and I got to see him just sitting there being real with Tim Tebow and Marcus Spears. Uh, and the guy who played quarterback at Vandy, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Sorry, guy. But Jordan, I will tell you. Thank you. So, sorry about that. So, I will tell you that – all this rumor about he's going to transfer, et cetera. Dude, man, this kid is humble now. I remember his interview after the national championship game when he, you know, against Georgia last year. And this is the first time I've really heard him talk at length since then. This guy's a changed guy, man. This guy is grounded. He's centered now. And he was talking about the fact that he was going to graduate on May the 15th, or excuse me, uh, January, uh, I guess, December 15th, excuse me. So coming up here in you know in a few day, a couple weeks now. And he was like, there was never any thought of me transferring. I'm graduating on the 15th. That's the number one thing for me. I'm graduating on the 15th. And so, you know, and then he talked about just putting it all in God's hands. He was like, this was all in God's hands. This was, yeah, that's the first thing I did is I put it in God's hands. And just, you know, I, I just listening to that interview, man, I was like, you know, this is a really, really good kid. And sometimes we lose focus that they're kids. They're not grown ups. They're not professionals. They're not getting paid all this money. They're kids. And so I can't imagine what this guy has gone through in the past year and all the stuff. You know, you know, you can't help but listen to the media and read some of this crap, et cetera. And so for him to hang around and for him to take a back seat. And, you know, he could have been like, oh, now you need me, right? Now you need me. And and he didn't do that, man. And so, you know, I, that's why I got to give him my mini game ball. Tommy, I'm so proud. <laughs> Dude, just listen to the interview, man. I was like, you know, that, that I, 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 I was really happy for the kid. I was already happy for him, but when I heard that interview, I was even more happy for the kid. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. I'm still gonna be straight with you. Did he go through his progressions when he came in there? No, no, no. no. stop, stop, did stop. He, zip, did zip, he look zip, at zip. any other receivers? No. But dude, I'm happy for the guy because he got. I mean, how many people can come in and get to rewrite history? He got to rewrite history. He got to like rewind the clock and do it over again. 
So that that's pretty awesome. Yeah, don't mess it up, man, because I want to give you a mini game ball now. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's flip the field and uh, let's talk some defense. Talk to me. All right, so um, can I can't hold this any longer, man. So this is technically special teams. Oh, come on, but, hold it for another the, minute. Okay, all right, I'll hold it for a minute. All right, so I think I, I didn't like the game plan going into this game uh, on defense. Um, my prediction was 31-10. It was 35-28, obviously. Um, dude, I wanted us to see uh, – okay, we talked about uh, we talked about the fact that Jared Maiden couldn't go. We talked about the fact that for some reason we we went to, you know, base dime against Auburn, right? And so we then talked about, okay, what's Alabama going to do now that Jared Maiden can't go? And is Keaton Anderson going to get run, and are they going to stay doing this dime stuff? So we didn't see Keaton Anderson, um, to my knowledge. We did. And, we did. Okay, so I, I don't recall seeing him much in the first half. Not a lot, um, but he was in there. I was specifically okay. looking for him. He was okay. in there. Some. All right, so I don't recall seeing him much. But what I do recall is we were in our base nickel, but we played McKinney and Thompson in cover two the whole time. Almost every time. 98% of the time, we'll call it. And so what Georgia did which I thought was ingenious, and I just don't think we made adjustments, is Georgia had their three wides. But then they would take their tight end and they would flare him out. They would flare Nada out in the, you yep. know, in the slot the way we do with Irv Smith. Yep. And so, dude, I'm I'm sure you saw this, but when we would go, when they would go four wide then, instead of dropping down McKinney or Thompson, and normally, I'm sorry, let me face it, normally right? All year, you drop McKinney down. We've talked about McKinney's versatility as a, you know, being able to cover receivers. We talked about McKinney and Thompson being interchangeable, but yet Thompson's got all the range, right? So McKinney drops down. He would cover the tight end in the slot. You, you slide Thompson over to a cover one look and you stay in your base nickel. We didn't do that. We kept McKinney in 20 yards off the ball. And we decided it was a good idea to take one of our best pass rushers, Isaiah Bugs, who's coming off a knee injury. And if you're in the game, you're going to uh, drop back and you're going to pick your hand out of the dirt and you're going you're gonna to be uh, covering the guy in the slot. And if you're not doing it, Anthony Jennings is going to do it. And if Anthony Jennings is not going to do it, then Christian Miller's going to do it. And they all three looked incredibly weird and out of touch doing it. And Georgia just picked on it time after time after time. And so we sit there and we rush three guys because we've taken Jennings and Bugs and decided he can cover a damn wide receiver today. And we're going to take our two uh, middle our two linebackers and we're going to send y'all to go maybe at the quarterback sometimes instead of Jennings or Bugs. Dude, I think it was just stupid. It was a stupid game. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's almost sort of a zone, you know, blitz, you know, sort of principle where you've got pressure coming from different angles and you've got, you know, unconventional, you know, a defensive lineman, right? Unconventional players drifting back into coverage. And then that can make, that can give the quarterback, 
you know, something difficult to, to read uh, 10 every years time, ago, maybe. Right, David? Right, well, every that, time. Right? Do it every now and then, but they did it every time. Yeah, and that's yeah. The no, I, under, I understand. And, you know, 10 years ago, it did sort of, what the hell's happening here? Uh, but, uh, you know, less so today. I think that, you know, they definitely forced matchups. They were definitely giving us looks at the line of scrimmage. They definitely were disguising. I think that impacts um, – you know, some of the some of the responsibilities that that were there. I think it's similar to when we talk about our offense. I don't think they have quite as many weapons, but they do have a diversity of weddings, uh, weapons. They have a, a really stout, a really strong running game. I think their running game is probably stronger than than Alabama's. Nada, I don't think he's as good as Irv, but he's a very good tight end. And they've got some quality receivers. And so they make you defend, you know, the depth and width of the field. And, and and you know, maybe we should have played more dime. But I think we were more nickel and and close to the line of scrimmage. Even, even if we dropped a lineman, we were still close to the line of scrimmage because we were afraid of the running game. And we didn't, we didn't want to be abused in the running game. Okay, but, but – we still but real quick, man, I don't think we had to go dime. I'm saying, why didn't we stay in our base nickel? Why didn't we keep four guys at the line of scrimmage? Why didn't we let a Bugs or a Jennings play the run from the line of scrimmage and rush the passer yeah. instead of instead of playing in space? Like, we took our best players out of what they were really good at. And so what was interesting is, is late in the game when, when Jalen had scored the touchdown to tie the game, okay? And this is where Georgia – you know, one of our buddies would talk about one thing a team would do in the moment. I'm just going to say that they just – they outthought themselves. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, three minutes left in the game, suddenly they bring their tight end, uh, you know, next to the tackle. They go three wide. We go back to our base nickel. We bring Jennings and Bugs back up to the line of scrimmage. Now they can't run the ball, and now we start getting pressure on the quarterback. And I'm thinking – what do you know? We have four guys rushing the quarterback now instead of three, and we're actually getting pressure. I just, I, dude, I, I just, I didn't like our game plan. I, I just, I, I don't think, I, I think we sat back and we let, I think we sat back and said, Jake Fromm, we want you to just nickel and dime down the field. We're not going to let you get anything over the top. I think we gave way too much respect to their wide receivers. Okay, let's face it. Last year in the national championship game, they got one big deep pass play against Tony Brown. One. Yep. Nothing against their receivers. They they're not they don't have as many. They don't have the depth and the quality at wide receiver that I think we do. Yeah, and Tony Brown misplayed that. Uh sure. You know, and, that, and that's how they that's how that that's how that happened. I think that and and look, we said this about Kirby. And and at the it, you know even just a few minutes ago we said hey Saban does this too I think this is an example of it Saban sort of out out thinking himself and saying Kirby Smart knows all of our stuff he you know of course he does right and so he knows what we're going to run in certain situations and circumstances against personnel groups and so what can we do to do something that they won't be expecting what can we sort of manufacture 
to keep them off balance. And, it, oh, so, and that's it, why, so that's why they took bugs and moved him five yards off the ball. Well, it's it's the oldest cliche in football, you know, dance with who brung you, right? And so from a defensive perspective, let's just line up and do what we do. And and maybe we'd throw a stunt or a twist or, or you know, there's still some things that we can do. But let's let's go 85% who we are because we really like our personnel executing that. Well, okay, and and I'm with you on that, right? And so here's here's what I also don't understand. So I when we went two deep safeties and we said we're not we're keeping everything in front of us and we're not letting you beat us deep. We're going to make you dink and dunk down the field, right? Yep. That's what they were doing. We want you to have a 12-15 play drive and we want you to make sure that you can make the perfect throw and get 80 yards down the field. And we like our odds that you cannot do that more times than we can do that. Okay? Right. I get that in theory. And once again, these guys know way more than I do. Okay? This is what they get paid for. But if that's your logic, and at the beginning of the game, Georgia gets to start of their first four possessions, Two started on their own, excuse me, one started on, uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, two of their first five possessions. One time they started at their 40, twice they got to start at the 50-yard line to start the drive. And so you sitting back and keeping everything in front of you and letting them dink and dunk down the field, I don't think it's as applicable when they've got a short field. No, I don't think so. And I think, you know, evidence of 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 that and, you know, it, like you said, it wasn't working. The short fields uh, it, it, in which, you know, they're operating, I think, you know, contributes. And, you know, evidence is, you know, look at the leading tackler, ta- tackles, uh, tacklers on the on the squad and almost up and down the list. It's it's defensive backs. Right. And so when if defensive backs are making all your, you know, another cliche. Right. If DBs are making all the tackles, you're in trouble. You know, Savion Smith, 11, Deontay Thompson, you know, eight, Patrick Sertain, uh, seven, uh, Xavier and Shy, both five. You know, I, I, you know, some of these are special teams, so there's a little bit of discount here, but 37 out of 80 tackles, that's almost 50%, were made by secondary players. That's, that's, that's a lot too many. <laughs> no, no, it is, man. And, and like, and, and I will tell you, you know, this was so frustrating. Just like we said, Georgia, you know, screwed themselves and outthought themselves at the end of the game. Even after Alabama had tied the game, you had that key pass play that could have sunk Alabama, um, where Bugs, thank goodness, only did it one time, but Bugs was out there in the flats covering DeAndre Swift. Yep. It was second and nine at the 25-yard line. Tie game. Three minutes on the clock. You let Jake Fromm throw a pass to his stud running back who runs 26 yards to the Alabama 49-yard line. You now have first and 10 on the other team's 49-yard line with a phenomenal field goal kicker in a tie game. Yep, Dude, we just call it like we see it on the show. That was dumb. That was. That's the whole outthinking you're talking about, right? You just yep. let them get to the 49-yard line in a tie game with three minutes, and you just finally tied the game? 
I, I thought Gary Danielson was gonna like lose it when he saw Bugs covering Swift. Yep. <laughs> Take me, uh, um, and I know where I want to go, but uh, g- give me, uh, give me one more thing on defense. One more quick thing is the touchdown to Nada. Once again, they were picking on the middle linebacker. They were picking on on Moses, and just like we called on Jalen's run play, um, they had you know uh, they had trips to the right. Um, they drew the coverage to the right. They had Nada, you know, basically run down the seam against Moses, and uh, you know it was a great call. And they they. I mean, when you look at the stats real quick of this, dude, I, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that their leading receiver was their tight end with four catches, and then DeAndre Swift had six catches. Yep. So of his 25 completions, 10 of them went to his running back and tight end. And so, so very quickly, I guess I want your thoughts on this. Am I supposed to suppose or surmise that Georgia was forced to go to the tight end and running backs because of our cover two and keeping everything in front of us. Is that what I'm supposed to guess? I, th- I think it's more matchup. I, th- I think if you can get Nada on, you know, single coverage, even with a Dylan Moses, I like that matchup. And you get him running down the field, Moses in pursuit, and you put it up, up, ha- up high. I like, I like, that matchup. I I think you can make money on that all day long. And I'm not mad at Dylan Moses. I just, I just, I think that's a good matchup. And so I think they went to where the matchup was. Okay. Well, give me, give me what else you had on defense. Uh, I'm going to take it to mini game ball. If you've got a mini game ball, why don't you go first? All right. I'm still thinking between two. So you go first. All right. I'm going to play from, and and I know we're going to carry this over into the special team conversation as well. But you talked about the catch by uh, DeAndre Swift setting setting Georgia up at uh, at the uh, at the forty nine, and the Bama defense for all the reasons we've talked about, the Alabama defense really tightened up there. And on third down, I'm going to third down. On third down, from through and look from. His his numbers his his percentage wasn't outstanding, but it was good. And he threw some really nice balls. One of the nice uh, passes he had was on that third down. Would have converted the first, but Shy Carter uh, streaks across the field and bats that ball away. And we talk about it, and I've already talked about it. You know, tonight plays sometimes are lost to history. And Pierschbacher's tackle is one, and Shy Carter batting that ball away on what would have been a first down. You talk about their kicker that sets them up uh, nearly almost ready to just kick the ball from there. Batting that ball away was a material had a material impact to the outcome of the game, and that's a play that will just be lost and forgotten. But that play is as big is any of the plays that people will remember forever. No, that's fair. I um I agree with that and I will tell you um that Carter has been asked when Diggs went down to play a bigger role in the secondary 
and we have seen this guy just really develop before our eyes in these past five, six ball games. And now, you know, he is positioning himself to be a leader on this defense next year. Yep. And um, the dude's made ton, tons of leaps forward this season. And so kudos to him uh, big yeah. time. Um, I'm, I'm going gonna... I'm, I'm to say it like this. Because I, I mean this, like with, with like viscerally, I mean this. Like our mind's eye can remember the Jalen run because that was, you know, that was the score. And we all sort of like felt our hearts sort of jump up in our throats when he when he took off and you could tell, I think he's going to make it. We're going to remember that. Our mind's eye is going to remember that. We owe it. And if you're out there listening, you owe it to yourself to go back and watch that play where Shy Carter run, runs over and bats that ball away because that's a play you need to remember as well. I mean, like I, I like I'm like grabbing the table. I feel so strongly about that. Um, and I'm sorry, you got a mini game ball too. No, no, man. He had three pass deflections on the day. He also yes. had a quarterback hurry. Yes, right. Where he deflected a ball there. Um, no, he had a big day, uh, big time. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with LeBron Ray. He didn't fill up the stat sheet, um, but he made a couple key plays when he was in the game. And you know, in the spirit of the mini game ball, this yep. is a guy who's who's seen his opportunities increase in the past few weeks. Him providing depth in this game was huge. He made a big stop on a third down play uh, where he didn't let the uh, running back get the edge and took him down for uh, tackle for loss. Uh, his only tackle for loss for the game. And so uh, I'm going to give it to LeBron Ray. All right. Very good. So, Tommy, I feel like I've been holding back the reins. I know what you want to talk about. We've even set it up because, you know, you talked about a coverage. I talked about a uh, uh, another play on that same drive. And that drive culminated in what I know you want to talk about when we flipped the field to special teams. Well, see, I knew what your mini game ball was going to be with Carter. Just like I knew it was going to be Jalen. I was trying to put this on a silver platter for you. So the very next freaking play is fourth and 11. Okay. And in, and in honor and in honor of one of our friends, Georgia clinched. Something clinched up. Okay. And so for one second, Kirby Smart is human. And he let somebody get in his ear and say, hey, what about that fake punt? You know that thing we've been working on a little bit? I think it can work here. I think it can work at the 50. They're not going to see it. And we're going to bring in Justin Fields, and no one's going to notice that the normal upback guy is not in the game because, you know, any it, getting something past Saban is easy, right? I mean, you can always sneak shit past Saban. He's not one of the gods of college football. Dude, what a stupid call. That was the stupidest call of the entire football game. Um, You got Jalen Hurts in the game because of an injury. It's a tie ball game. You're at the 50-yard line with a couple minutes left in the game. I guess about four minutes left in the game. You got a great special teams. Punt the ball deep, pin him at the 10-yard line, and make Jalen beat you for 90 yards. Dude, I'm glad they didn't, right? It, 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 it helped us big time. But what a stupid call. Tommy, that might be the stupidest call in any three games you could handpick um, from this, this season. I think I everything you said is spot on. Um, 
when you have a trick play, part of tricking someone is is sort of doing. You got to pick the right circumstance, and just because you know midfield and third and eleven circumstantially is when a team wouldn't expect it, that that doesn't by itself equal the right opportunity. You have to look at what the other team is doing, and you have to think about how you execute the play. To your point, Justin Fields, five-star uh, quarterback prospect, number one a recruit uh, arguably in, in the country, uh, a player that they have specifically looked for opportunities to get him worked into the game. We talked about Quinn and on defense, right? You, your default setting is they're going to do something with him. And so Justin Fields is one of those guys. Anytime you see him on the field, they're going to do something with him. And so there he is in an up back. Uh, and 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 he doesn't play up back. It's not like he does that every game all season and you sort of forget that he's that that's who he is. All right, hit the pause button. That's the key. If you're going to do it with Justin Fields, then make him the damn up back all the time. Yes. Another point. This is there's layers to this, right? This is this is this is layered stupidity, I think. This is layered bad call. So that and that's just part of it, right? Alabama was not playing their punt safe. They so they weren't playing straight up punt, you know, with their punt unit. They weren't playing punt safe. Alabama was playing defense. They left. Go back and look at the players that are on the field. They're not like the punt return unit lined up in punt safe. That's their defense. Well, they Alabama actually had, had Waddle. Already, they had Waddle. They had Waddle back to receive the punt, and then the rest of and then and they the had defense up front. So yeah, basically, correct, so right. what? So so you know, so what does that mean? Okay, Alabama plays a base nickel where there's five DBs. Okay, we're essentially playing a sing a, a deep single high safety out of a nickel look. Okay, that just happens to be Jalen Waddle returning, you know, ready to field the punt. But you've got sure. The rest of the ten playing essentially a base defense. Yes, no, I, I agree. Do do you think this will not get admitted? But do you think this could have been anything to do with we want Justin Fields, who we don't want to leave and transfer somewhere else. We want him to have this moment where he can save the day and make a big play at the end of the game and bring us over the finish line? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of thinking. If that right? factor in. Right? He, he makes a big play. He gets a big first down. They go down the field. They score. They win the game. Justin, right. you were a part of this. I think, you look, I think risks, and, and risk, risk can mean a lot of different things, right? And so – a calculated risk that you're really not you're really not putting much on the line that was not a calculated risk they thought they had an opportunity and maybe in some sort of perspective or or light they did but the way Alabama's defense lined up on the field all bets are off and you're going to we've talked about this before like it Success is the aggregation of small, smart decisions. And the small, smart decision, like you just said, punt it away. Let's pin them inside the five and let's make this 
this Jalen Hurts, let's make him drive the field. And look, I'm not going to suggest he couldn't have done it, but 40 more yards is hard to play gain. the odds. Play the odds. Play the yes. odds. You play the, the pressure. Odds. The pressure cooker gets even. You dial the pressure up a little more. There are tall <laughs> buildings in Vegas because they play the odds, right? Sure. And you so play the odds. And so it's like, okay, you're cool as a cucumber. You just tied the game. And so show us, show us what you got. Show us you can go 90 yards. Yeah. But here's 85, 90 yards of green grass versus. The momentum, the energy, the excitement. Oh, and it's 48 yards. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that. Um, You know, for all the talk about Georgia and their special teams, it is kind of funny. You know, I heard one announcer say that, you know, everybody was saying coming in that Alabama was going to have the better offense and the better defense, but Georgia was at least going to win special teams. And, you know, poor Georgia fans, they couldn't even win special teams. I mean, they, they they even missed their field goal, which was a chip shot. That's well, just that's irony right there, man. Well, yeah, it is, and and it and it's huge. That was at a point of the game where I I thought I I thought you know Georgia was moving the ball, and I thought, boy, if they score a touchdown here, that's three touchdowns. That might be the ball game, and even holding them at that point, holding them to a kick, felt good. But that's still three scores, and three scores is still going to be quite a challenge. Um, the fact that they missed, I mean, if if you had asked me who's going to miss a field goal in this game, I wouldn't have said Hot Rod. Uh, the fact that they missed, I you know don't underestimate that as something that really buoyed the team and uh, and raised spirits. Not only did the defense hold and keep them out of the end zone end zone, but you know, ruffled them, call it that, in such a way that they did not even score at all. And you could go back and you could look at the final score and say, with three more points, it wouldn't have mattered. You can't do that. That's not how it works. They go up by three scores. That is deflating. Uh, the things that happened after that may not have happened, may, may not have happened if the offense trudges back on the field and says, gosh, we need three more possessions to win this game. That's something. There's something to that, and uh, fortunately, they missed. Al- uh, uh, Georgia missed, and uh, I think that I think that buoyed the spirits. Oh, Saban even said as much that there was no energy on the sideline, and um, that you know that brought energy back to the sideline yeah. after that miss. Yeah, um, I, you know, both of us had five PATs, and I swear I was sweating every one of them. And uh, Mark uh, Mark Bernier, uh, same thing. He had five punts. He had a 46 long and averaged 40. So it's a pretty tight cluster. Uh, I thought um, I, I thought our two kickers. Um, I don't want to give them too much praise, but I just want to say, hey, I'm glad with I'm glad they did what they did. If we can get that sort of steady, that's not spectacular. But if we can get that kind of steady, that's what we need. Well, we talked about you can lose a tight game with special teams. And so, to Mike's credit, who has seized his opportunity as a senior, you know, college transfer, right? He seized the moment from the true freshman. He was going against arguably one of the best punt returners in the country. Yes. 
and the best punt returner of the country had two punts returns for 16 yards. And so, you know, the other three times, Mike had enough hang time with the ball while it didn't travel as far as we would like. It had enough hang time that that Hardman couldn't do anything with it. Yeah, the coverage was able to get there and uh, and and get to him. Uh, I, th- I think they had one. Uh, he he fielded one and, and sort of dropped it and bounced off of, it and they had to sort of bring that back. But uh, yeah, I, you you give him the edge in in that matchup. Uh, you wouldn't have before the game, but the way it played out, you certainly give him the game. And, and you said it in a close contest, special teams can cost you the game. Um, I think special teams cost Georgia the game. And I don't know that if, if you truly, you said the game was going to pivot on special teams. I don't know that you would have, um, maybe not you in particular, but just in general, uh, if you said the game really was going to pivot on a couple bad plays on special teams, I'm not sure that that you would have chalked that in Alabama's favor. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, I want to give a mini game ball for special teams. Okay. And I'm giving it to Josh Jacobs. All right. Because on Jalen Waddle's big punt return, which of course Georgia quickly reset, and that was his only return on the entire day. Josh Jacobs, and I'm sure you saw this, he didn't have the angle to block uh, a Georgia defender. And so he would have blocked in the back. And so he had the presence of mind to put his hands outstretched on each side yep, and just kind of lie, 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 just kind of run in front of him. And he had one guy fall because he didn't see him there. And the other guy, he just kind of got him with his backside a little bit, but you know, kept his hands up. And it was the best block in the back no call I've ever seen, I think. He took two guys out, let Waddle right. get the edge. It was awesome. That is good. That is good. <laughs> and that was and that was just his presence of mind on that play, right? He's just a very heady player. And 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 most guys would have blocked in the back there. And that big play, that big momentum early in the game would have been for nothing. No, I agree. I agree. What do you think? Uh sort of a little bit projecting ahead. Uh, what do you think about the uh, sort of the playoff matchups, Alabama and Oklahoma, um, Clemson and Notre Dame? What do you think about uh, what do you think about those pairings? I think we probably ought to come back and, and break them down fully uh, at another time. But what's your first sort of read on on the on the pairings? All right. So very quickly, first of all, because this is not a Homer show. OK, Kirby Smart was correct. Saban doesn't want to play Georgia again. Oh, this yeah. Year. And um, as much as I am all about the SEC, did I love it when Alabama played LSU and the nation was pissed? Did I love it when Alabama played Georgia last year and the nation was pissed? Yes, because SEC is the most dominant conference. There's a reason teams like Kentucky this year could have gone and played at other conferences and won those damn conferences because of how good the SEC is. Sure. Um, So that being said, this was not the best four teams that you picked because you didn't pick Georgia. Um, and so now that the now that the uh, games have been released, you know, the Vegas odds right after the start, they were calling the Alabama-Oklahoma spread was going to be 17, but it got dialed down to 14 probably because of Tua's situation. And then Clemson's spread is double digits as well over Notre Dame. Yep. And so, um, you know, Clemson's going to mop the floor with Notre Dame. Um, 
Oklahoma's not, you know, I heard one guy say Oklahoma might not be able to stop Alabama on any, what, what did he say? He said, he said, it wouldn't surprise me if Alabama doesn't score on every single possession they have the football. Wow. All right. And so, because Oklahoma has no defense. Right. Right. And so, and so, you know, this is going to be an Alabama Clemson national championship. I know we're going to do another show, but, um, you know, you have to like Alabama in this matchup um, because no, I think so. And I, I, you know, I probably want to spend some more time. Uh, and I know, I know some of our listeners and they've reached out to us. They're a little gun shy on your bravado pick. So, <laughs> you know what? That's, you know what? That's fair. Cause here's what I'll say. Okay. My 31 10 pick, I'm going to sit there and say that I think if we run our base nickel and we have our four guys with hands in the dirt, and we're dropping one of our talented uh, safeties, you know, to cover four wide. I think it's a different football game, man. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's come back and this. Uh, let's talk about you know the Oklahoma game. Um, I I think the I, I think the selection of Oklahoma was the easiest narrative to sell. Um, you know, Georgia two losses is is something that is a mark against them. Uh, they had a significant loss to LSU, uh, which is real. Uh, Ohio State had the big 29-point uh, loss to Purdue. And so you could say that those are comparable in, in terms of black marks. Uh, Georgia doesn't have the SEC, uh, doesn't have a conference championship. And then you could look at Oklahoma and say, well, they have a loss, but they avenged that loss and they are a conference champion. And so you look at sort of, look at it in the aggregate and then politically not that it's a political thing except for sometimes when it is the political deal is you know there's five conferences then there are independents and so but there's only four spots and so Notre Dame's getting a spot so that means you know technically only three of the five uh, conferences are going to get an opportunity if you give two to the SEC with an independent, then only two of the five conferences, and I don't think that would have been palatable. That doesn't mean that you know that they were avoiding that, but I don't think that you know you couldn't convince me that that wasn't in the minds of some people. Like we can't oh, sure. have this playoff that these conferences all wanted, and then we are going to have this circumstance where we shut out three of the five conferences. We can't do that. And again, even I don't know. Though, that even that though they are average conferences compared to the SEC. Well, I, yes. Look, I get it. I'm just saying. And I don't know that anyone said that out loud, but I'm sure there were some eyes across the table like, we can't do that. <laughs> so, oh, I'm sure. And, you know, we definitely need to do another show where we'll break down the Alabama Oklahoma game and, and, and analyze the matchups in, you know, in, in more depth. Um, but right now, if you're Alabama, I think they. I think this is a good matchup for them. I yep. think uh, you know Tua has a month to get healthy. Uh, I think some of these other guys have a month to get healthy. I mean, let's you know, let's face it, man. When Deontay Brown went down and Lester Cotton came in, you know there was a different energy. Yeah, yep. with when Brown came down, man, we didn't talk about that much offensive side of the ball. But you, you got you know Bugs is nicked up. You you know you you've got guys like Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses who have played entirely too much because they have, you know, there's not a lot, it's a short bench behind them. So right now with a month to prepare for Oklahoma, 
you know, I, I'm I'm on the surface feeling could pretty good about that. Right. Hey, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit, and uh, you know, we've been sort of teasing some review and comments from the faithful listeners. Uh, let's sort of clean out our mailbag. Uh, we've got a handful of things to step through. You up for that? I'm ready, man. As long as they don't say anything bad about me, I want you to do all those. That's great. All right. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Come uh, on, man. There's got to be one on there. Come on. All right. So uh, this is JDLRR16, five-star review, a must-listen to podcast. Uh, podcast. Glad you are here. Uh, I love uh, He gives us a little narrative here. Uh, I love listening. You guys talk about the games like me and my dad used to when he was here. I love it that you love Alabama football like I do. I can't wait for the next one. I'm always looking forward to it. I was afraid y'all had stopped because, you know, last season. Uh, I would love uh, to have heard what you guys said about the game. You have a great podcast. Keep it going. Uh, just uh, uh, just like Bama's going to keep the trophies rolling in. Roll Tide. That's cool. I like the sort of sentimental, uh, the way he talked Alabama with his dad. That's a neat sort of role that maybe we play. Um, this is uh, Janik. I don't know. A lot of J's and K's in here. One, three, eight, uh, three at nine, three. I don't know. Exclamation marks. Anyways, dude saying uh, great pod, five stars, roll Todd. Love the in-depth analysis. You truly can't get this level of insight anywhere. That is spectacular. We appreciate it. Um, five-star review. This is Hemo0491. And we stole one of his questions a couple of weeks ago, uh, but uh, says, well thought out podcast for any level Bama fan, audio quality, spotty, minimal editing. Uh, but I do have a question for you guys. Where is Ben Davis? And uh, Tommy, when we talked about that on the uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago, you said Ben Davis would be a starting linebacker next year. You stand by that? You know, man, I, I'm not giving up hope on Ben Davis. Okay. I, I will tell you, though, uh, I did get to see a Ben Davis sighting uh, uh -oh. on the sideline of the game. And, um, you know, after the game was over, there there was a sighting there. And, and um, you know, he, he definitely seemed like he was progressing because he was uh, he was doing some celebrating with uh, with some former uh, Alabama Crimson Tide players, um, definitely soaking up the moment and enjoying it. And so um, I, I'm going to hold out hope with my prediction here, man. He 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 looks like he's progressed from his bang ups, man. So uh, okay. I'm, I'm 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 not giving up hope on that one yet. We got it. We got a depth issue at linebacker and. And and I think he has, you know, he's got the he's got the resume, or he built a resume that uh, that I think he, you know, still has the potential to uh, to act on. All right, all right, we're gonna hold you to that that prediction. We're gonna we're gonna monitor the heck out of that one. Hey, this is uh, this is Diz seventy seven. Love it. Must listen to for serious Bama fans. Uh, and he goes on to say. Uh, uh, they examine many of the details you won't catch on, uh, from any other report. Listening to this helped a great deal when I couldn't see every game when I was deployed overseas. My only complaint is their confounding habit of voicing complete agreement by saying, no, absolutely. Diz 77, no, absolutely. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, no, no, bring it. <laughs> 
No, here's what I'll say, man. Um, the reason we agree with each other a lot on this show, and I'm sure it would be even more entertaining if we didn't, is because, you know, we're going to call each other out if if they if we say something that we just absolutely categorically disagree with. And right. so, you know, we've had discussions in years past about Jalen where we were on different sides of that coin, right? Obviously. And, um, but a lot of times, man, we, we both, are on the same page with a lot of us. We don't draw it up that way. You know, we, we just, we're seeing it with the same set of eyes and um, you know, we, we do tend to agree with each other more times than not. And uh, that's not scripted, man. That's just off the cuff. And that's just the way it kind of filters out. No, absolutely. Um, This is West 2489. Awesome job. Five stars. These guys do a really great job, and I love how they mention whenever we take the kickoff, uh, we lose yards when we don't get to the 25. They notice the small things like that. Uh, had to give a shout-out for, for that great listen. That's awesome because we do specifically call that out. That's one of our pet little things, uh, so that's definitely cool. Uh, Jake Deal is a five-star review. He says, awesome. Most in-depth Alabama football podcast that I have found. Keep up the great work. And uh, here we go. This is Bama PBR. And uh, I think I want to have a PBR with this uh, this individual. Absolutely awesome podcast. Five stars. Like the Alabama football team, Dave and Tom bring their A-day, A-game every week. If you are a self-professed Bama football nerd like me, this is your podcast to not only get a breakdown of the game's highlights, but the details below the surface of the highlights. I feel like that I somewhat know my way around a film study, but Dave and Tom teach me something new every week. Keep up the great work and keep the podcast coming. So those uh, that's sort of our backlog of reviews. Those are absolutely flattering. We so Absolutely, man. Yeah. We so appreciate you guys out there listening. We know we've run long today, but hey, that's you guys like that. And uh, that's the feedback we get. Please go out and leave us a review. That's how other people find us. That's how it helps us engage with you guys. Uh, I have had so many folks email us that say, hey, that's so cool. You read my comment. And and that sort of led to uh, some ongoing uh, email uh, discussions. One guy, uh, Paul in Charleston, uh, we actually met up at a game and, uh, and uh, had a drink after a game. And so stuff like that happens. Reach out to us. We love the reviews. We love the comments. We love the feedback. We love the emails. We love the engagement. Most of all, we love the the heck out of the the fact that you guys listen. Really, really appreciate it. Right, Tom? Absolutely, man. Guys, just just send us your questions. Give us your thoughts. If there's anything you'd like us to cover, let us know uh, because we just we just enjoy doing this. Uh, we started doing this because we were already doing it ourselves for you know sitting out there having a drink in, on a driveway after a football game and. And we're glad y'all are getting to share it with us and uh, just keep listening and let us know your thoughts. Absolutely. Well, thanks, everyone. This is this is a phenomenal, you know, end of uh, a regular season. A great way to cap it off with a big win uh, against Georgia. Winning the SEC is is never a small achievement. Uh, number one slot heading into the college football playoffs. Tom, just as you said, oh, nearly a full month to get everyone ready and rested and uh ready to go and i think uh i think alabama will be ready uh ready to take on oklahoma as we as we reach that and you and i will try to come back schedule some time around the holidays to uh sort of opine on uh the matchup with the sooners 
But in the meantime, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide.